While the world is quick to tell you all that it's against, Uptown Church wants you to know where for. We're for doing what's right and fixing what's wrong. We're for lifting up prayers and breaking down barriers. We're for the brightest, boldest, loneliest, finest, and most flawed among us. And most importantly, we're for you. Uptown Church. In the city. For the city. Well, good morning, Uptown Church. Uh, I'm excited to be here this morning. For those of you who do not know me, my name is Isaiah, and I'm the Community Life Pastor here on staff. Um, It's amazing to partner with all the amazing things that y'all have going on here. Um, Y'all must know that I love you, um, and the reason why is I I did some arts and crafts. um, We're in a series called Games We Play, and I heard Scrabble. Um, I was trying to choose between, like, these big, like, 13-inch ones. I thought, that's, that'd take forever to get this set up, so you get this. Um, happy scrabbling. <laughs> um, when, I was, when I was in elementary school, my brother joined a spelling bee competition. And like an older brother would, uh, I became super competitive. And I thought, okay, if my little brother is going to be a part of the spelling bee, so am I. Okay, so I joined the spelling bee. And we get to the Spelling Bee Day, it's rehearsals and practice, and they say, hey, we're going to give you a little easy word, you know, and they give an easy word, something, um, like regular or something, and I, I, I mess up, I, I don't smell the word right. And uh, everyone else got to go to word two, and I was politely asked to um, consider other activities, okay? Uh, they were like, hey, thanks for giving it a go. Um, maybe the spelling bee isn't the best for you. Um, you didn't pass the easy word, and there's no way you're going to do the hard words. And I was a little bummed. Okay, I'm not going to lie. I thought, well, I, how am I going to beat my brother in a spelling bee competition if I get kicked out after the first word uh, for not being able to spell? And I was, I was kind of angry. I thought, well, maybe give me another chance. And um, I started going home and practicing spelling. It, it, it didn't work out too well because the more and more I practiced spelling, the more and more I realized um, I'd come to realize that I had dyslexia, okay? Um, so <laughs> I found out the fit, that was the repercussions of finding that out uh, in the worst and most brutal way possible. I thought everyone's letters kind of mixed up a little bit, and that's just a me thing. And, uh, and well, some people think. And um, it turns out I was not good at spelling or words with friends um, or Scrabble. But you know, I, while sure I don't wish necessarily the words that I read get mixed up or that I can't really spell, I don't wish that, but I am thankful in some senses in this instance that I had clarity that this problem or issue that I was facing, there was an answer to, um, that I wasn't confused necessarily why I was bad at spelling, I have an issue, right? But there are so many areas in my life where I don't have this sort of same clarity. There are areas in my life that feel confusing and frustrating um, and hard to deal with and hard to understand, and I don't have that clarity. And it is extremely frustrating. And maybe you're in this room and you relate to this, right? We live in such a transient world. We live in a world that's constantly uh, changing. And there always kind of feels like we find ourselves in situations where we don't have very much clarity. Maybe for some of you, it's the job. Maybe for some of you, it's just being in Dallas or being in Uptown Church. You kind of feel like, God, give me a sign. Give me a yellow brick road. Tell me what I'm supposed to do. Speak something into existence. You just want the answer. You see, like in Scrabble, sometimes we're dealt a confusing hand. 
were dealt a mess of letters that it doesn't feel like you can spell much with, which I've looked at these letters and I thought the uh, only word I could think of is dognap, okay? And uh, I thought I probably won't spell that out. That would be distracting. But sometimes we're given a confusing hand and sometimes we just want clarity. We get a jumble mess and we don't know what to do with it. There's Today we're going to be in Scripture and the ancient Israelites are dealing with a mess. They find themselves living in exile again, They find themselves desperately wanting uh, clarity. God, what do we do? What do we do next? And we find ourselves um, following their story in Jeremiah 29. And we're going to read a little bit in Jeremiah 29 because I think that Jeremiah 29 gives us some mishaps that they were going through when it comes to seeking or searching for clarity and mishaps that we go through. And more importantly, I think it tells us something that we can do today. If maybe you find yourself in a season or a situation that doesn't feel clear, if you're seeking for answers, I think that the story today gives us a little bit of clarity on what we should do today. So a little background information uh, about the ancient Israelites is, like I said, they, were, they found themselves in exile. They were living in exile, and they had um, a few experiences of this. You might remember the old stories. And in this specific case, the Babylonian Empire um, had taken them to exile, and you can only imagine what it would be like or what it would feel like to live under complete domination and be forced to settle in a homeland that is not your own and kind of be asked to do it with a smile on your face. That's the situation they found themselves in. And in chapter 28, you're introduced to a guy named Hananiah. And Hananiah was telling the ancient Israelites, he was telling them that, hey, listen, this is not a big deal. God's going to liberate you, and you're going to be free in two years. And so all the people were listening to it, because obviously, I don't know if you're anything like me, but when I'm going through chaos, when I'm going through situations that don't make very much sense, I want the quickest and easiest answer, right? They're no different. They're like, two years, that, I mean, that's not ideal, but that's, that sounds great. Let's do it. That's where we find ourselves in Scripture today. Jeremiah is writing a letter to them and telling them what their situation is, what they want to do, and he gives them a little sort of a rude awakening into how long they're going to be there. So if you have your Bible, we're going to be in Jeremiah 29, and it starts in verse 1. It says, Now these are the words of the letter, now which Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the rest of the elders of the exile, the priests, the prophets, and all the people from Nebuchadnezzar, had taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, right? Like I said, we're just starting. He's writing a letter um, to the people, letting them know what's going on. We hop over to verse 4, and it says this. It says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and live in them, and plant gardens and eat their produce, Take wives and become the father of sons and daughters and take your wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands that they may bear sons and daughters and multiply there and do not decrease. Seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf for in its welfare you will have welfare. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets who are in your midst and your diviners deceive you, right? This is what I was talking about last chapter. That's Hananiah. Don't let people trick you. And do not listen to the dreams which they dream, for they prophesy falsely to you in my name, and I have not sent them, declares the Lord. We're going to come back to verses 4 through 9 in a second, but 
here's where sort of some bad news comes to the people, right? They had just been listening to Hananiah. They were told we're only going to be here two years. Jeremiah's writing them a letter. And then in verse 10, he kind of breaks the bad news. It says, for thus says the Lord, when 70 years have been completed for Babylon, I will visit you and fulfill my good word to you to bring you back to this place. Anybody catch that number? 70 years, okay? Hananiah's promising two, and he's in Jeremiah writes him a letter says, no, I'm sorry, this is going to be 70 years, not two, not five, 10, 15, 20, 30, 50, no, 70 years. And you can possibly and probably imagine that this is not what the people wanted to hear. And I'm sure you, in some of the seasons of your life where you're seeking clarity, you've kind of gotten similar messaging. You're like, God, why can't this be over now? And he's like, it's 70 years, like 70 years. Um, 70, okay? But he goes on after breaking the bad news of 70 years in verse 11 to say this, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare, not for calamity, to give you a future and to give you hope. It says, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare, not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and you will find me. And when you search for me with all your hearts, I will be found by you, declares the Lord. See, that's not what they wanted to hear. And I'm sure there's been seasons in your life where you've received similar messaging. They were told 70 years, but at the end of it, what they know is that it might not be what they want. It might not be what they expected. But at the end, there's clarity, and at the end, there's prosperity, and at the end, there's hope. I think this, I think the scripture addresses three real mishaps that the ancient Israelites partook in <laughs> when they were facing lack of clarity. And I think there are three mishaps that we find ourselves in too. The first is this: the first is that we listen to people or things that best describe what we hope for. For them, they knew they were in exile and they wanted an easy fix, right? Um, I don't know uh, any of y'all, uh, what y'all, your beauty products are, okay? But I can tell you this, I turned 31 this year, I turned 32, and uh, I'm, I'm just going to be honest with you, I started trying some eye cream, okay? I, uh, I have three kids, I've got some black, uh, some black eyes, I'm, I'm tired, and there's an issue and I want an immediate solution, right? All around us, all the marketing that's marketed to us are things that find problems that we're in and try to give you an immediate solution. And that's what they found themselves in too. You know, I was talking, I was talking to somebody about the eye cream. He said, you know, let me know when you find one that works. And I was like, oh, I'm doomed, okay? There is no easy solution. Can't rest, Isaiah, sleep. Um, all the parents who have kids know that's not, just not going to happen. It's not going to happen. But we listen to people or things that best describe what we hope for. And that's why it was so easy for them to listen to Hananiah. That's why it was so easy for them to ignore their current situation and hope for something that wasn't true, to put faith in something that wasn't real, because it described exactly what they wanted. They wanted it to be over now. And some of you might find yourself in a similar situation. You might be wondering about your job or where you're headed or what city you're going to live in, and you think that, well, whoever gives me the best solution, whoever gives me the best paycheck, whoever gives me the most ideal answer that fits the script that I'm writing for myself, I'll listen to them. And you get to the end of that road, and you find, whoa, that wasn't it. I don't feel like I have the clarity I wanted, and you find yourself back to square one. 
Mishap one is we listen to people or things that best describe what we hope for. Mishap two is we think that clarity leads to contentment. Have you ever been here? You think that if you have all the right answers, you think that if God just miraculously gave you a sign, do this. You feel like if you know what you're doing, you feel like if your script is written, then then you will be content. And you see, God was telling the people, friends, I have given you a clear answer. It's just not what you wanted to hear. Say, first you become content, and as you're content, slowly but surely, you you start to have clarity. We think that clarity leads to contentment, but I think God was really trying to tell them, friends, as you become content, things will become clear. And the third thing I think that this shows, the mishap that they were partaking is that we miss out on prosperity today because we are waiting for the future we hope for. We're waiting for the perfect script. Their experiences begin to cloud the blessings that were right in front of them. When I was in college, I moved. I had basically a moving experience almost every semester. So I moved in um, with into a dorm. I moved dorms the, the second semester. I um, transferred from Austin College to Texas Tech and moved in with a family friend, moved in with a fraternity brother. We bought a house together, and the list goes on. We moved pretty much every six months. And something, I don't know about you if you've moved a couple times, but moving really sucks, okay? You, you have a whole bunch of stuff that you're like, what do I do with this? You put a whole bunch of little things in boxes, and they get broken anyways, and you try to put, you know, newspaper or bubble wrap. It doesn't help. And so if you move a lot, if you're anything like me, I start just to purge things. And when I move into my new spot, I, I don't really settle in, right? I'm like, well, I don't really want to buy decorations because I'm going to have to move. Well, I don't really want to buy a nice couch because I'm going to have to move. And so in 2020, I bought my house in Roy City, and we were beginning to fill the house. Like, okay, I guess we need a couch, and you know, we bought it. We bought a used couch, and um, we were driving by the road one day, and we saw this. Frankly, I don't really know what it is. It's just a big wooden thing, and we're like, "Ooh, if we spray paint that white, that would be a really great TV stand." Okay, and we get it. <laughs> we get it off the curb, and we paint it, and it's been our house ever since. We don't have a ton of decorations on our walls, and when I go stop and think, like, why is, did we do this to ourselves? Right? Like, why we have this big piece of wooden junk in our room? It's because. I've fallen to the trap of hoping for this future, thinking of a future that's never really going to come, meaning I was missing out on enjoying the house. I've been missing out on having decorations. I've been missing out on the new couch. I've been missing out on having, you know, an actual functional, usable TV stand because I'm thinking, well, I'm just going to move anyways. You see, in the same way, they were missing out on the prosperity that God had for them today. They were living in, they were living as if they were going to leave and God wanted them to root themselves. So you're not going to, you're not leaving in two years. You're going to leave in 70 years. So root yourselves, make a family, plant, grow, be together, grow in community. But there was something that was telling them, well, we don't want to do that now because they were listening to the people they wanted to listen to. So we missed out on prosperity today because we were waiting for the future we hope for tomorrow. So I wonder out of those three things that I just mentioned, what it might be for you. Maybe you find yourself in this never-ending, never-changing, or always-changing world, and, and I wonder what you're doing to seek clarity. I wonder if you're like the Israelites who, who were seeking the things that, they, that gave them the answers, right? Like, I mentioned the eye cream, but I, I've been sold the, oh, eat this little, little pill, and you'll, oh, the weight will fall off, and it just makes you really hot and sweaty, right? Maybe that's for you. 
Maybe you're waiting for the clarity before you become content. You're waiting for the, the right job, the right paycheck, the perfect city, the yellow brick road, the sign. Or maybe you're missing out on an opportunity to grow today because you're waiting for the future that you've been dreaming of. You see, God was calling the ancient Israelites. He was calling them to root themselves where they were, to become content, to live into the calling where they were, to grow as a people. And maybe that's what God is doing for you today. Wherever you find yourselves at today, I think maybe what God is telling you is to root yourselves. That as you become content, you begin to seek clarity. And what this means for us is the section I skipped a second ago. So we're going to go back to that. It's, it's verses 5 through 9. But I think there's four ways that this scripture gives us that if you're in this room and you're seeking clarity, you don't kind of know what your next step is. I think there's four ways the scripture tells us that we can really, really root ourselves, that we might be get to be people who seek and find clarity. So if you have your Bibles, I'm going to go back to verses 5 through 9. And we're just going to walk through the ways that this gives the people what Jeremiah was challenging them to do. In verse 5, it says, build houses and live in them. Okay, step one. He said, root yourselves, right? <laughs> Just root yourself. You're going to be here a while. Buckle up. You're in it for the long haul. But while you're building your house, it says, and plant gardens and eat their produce. Plant gardens and eat their produce. The first thing, um, rooting ourselves is the work. We do the work. If you show up and you have a house and you're not taking care of your crops and your produce, well, you can't eat your crops or produce. If you don't tend to the land, you don't tend to the house, your house falls apart. So maybe for you, to root yourself, what that might look like for you is to do the work. And to do the work can look like a lot of different things, but one main way, obviously, is service. Right? When we begin to think about what it looks like to be uh, a Christian, one of the things that Troy says that I really love is we're never more like Jesus than when we're giving and when we're serving. So maybe for you to root yourself, for a long time you said, well, you know what, I don't know how long I'm going to be here. I don't really know what's going on with my job or how long I'm going to be in Dallas or how long I'll be at this church. Maybe what God is calling you today is to say, hey, you know what, I'm going to root myself today. And as I'm in the wait and as I'm seeking clarity, I'll find ways to serve. He goes on, and this, this next part is for uh, you couples out there. It says, uh, it says, take wives and become the fathers of sons and daughters, and take your wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands, right? Okay, so I think um, this next one, step two is have children, right? Okay, so if I, don't hear, uh, if I don't hear a lot of baby reveals coming up, then I'm going to say you didn't listen to my sermon. So parents, I'll be waiting. Um, the next one, <laughs> we'll, we'll sell that one. Verse 7, it says, seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. So the next two, one, is seeking the welfare of the city where I have sent you. And the fourth is prayer. Seeking the welfare of the community. You see, that's, that's what it looks like to be a community, right? Seeking the welfare of the community. I heard a, a really great quote about what it means to be part of an economy in the same way being part of God's economy. There are people who are tourists. There are people who are assimilators. And there are people who are in it for the long haul. Right, so if you're if you're a tourist, you you come and you visit and you take what the economy has to get you. Right, like we all like ba the Bahamas, we all like Hawaii, we always like these really cool places. But then you you kind of enjoy it and you leave. 
There's people who assimilate. They'll come and they'll they'll be like, yeah, I'm part of this community. I uh, I was talking to to two friends and and uh, one of them it was from California. Another one was um, I think from Florida, but not from Texas. And the California buddy has been here maybe like two years at most. And the Florida person said something about Texas, and the the guy from California goes, oh, you don't even you're not even from Texas. You have no idea how we do it here. And I'm like, you're not from Texas. Like you don't know how we do it here. Right, why are you commenting on the state of Texas? But that that's the idea of assimilation. You just you get to where you are and you just kind of blend in. And then there's a third group of people, the the people that give back, the people that look out for the welfare of others. And that's what this scripture is calling us to today. And so maybe for you, that's um, a lot of you have already been challenged by this last week with Joyce's sermon, but join a community group. You're part of a community group. You're leading community groups, right? Being part of something that not only um, gives to you, but gives back. Or maybe for some of you, that's giving. Giving to the, this wonderful and flourishing community that, that, that provides such a safe place for so many people. And the last one is prayer, right? To be a community who decides that they're going to pray for one another. Because there's, there's something powerful about prayer, isn't there? So, so, so here's the beauty of, of all of this. You know, earlier I said, sometimes we think clarity leads to contentment. And I want to encourage you to think about what it would look like to be content which leads to clarity because sometimes what we what we see is we've been given a jumbled mess and when you take a look at it, sure, like dog nap and whatever. Um, Adam rearranged my letters. He didn't know they were in order and it said uh, nah dog. <laughs> um, so nah dog, you, you can't really find anything. But you, you, begin to, you begin to see that as things are added, things are subtracted, you move things around a little bit, it slowly begins to become apparent that, yeah, sure, there's a jumbled mess. There's a lot of letters. You might not really necessarily know what fully is going on at the time, but the whole time you've been sitting there, the whole time you've been observing, God has had a plan. You know, I think that is what this story is really all about. You have a group of people in exile, lost, broken, scared, not quite sure what they're going to do next, and, and God was challenged them to root themselves. And so maybe for you today, you can root yourself. You can take whatever it is that you're dealing with right now, whatever you're going through right now, find a way to root yourself, become clear. So here's what I want you to do. I'm going to just be quiet for a second. I want everyone to take out your, your connection card. So everyone has one in theory, so go ahead and do that. Take it out. And I want you to write something, because um, two things. One, we go through these connection cards every week. Every single week we go through them. We pray for you by name. We read the prayer requests that you have. Like, we, we really do this every single week. Well, I do it every single week, hours. I want you to think about one way that you can root yourself. Because I have a feeling there's a lot of people in here that, that live in the, in the world that I'm living in, I would hope, unless I'm crazy. This changing world that seems to be unclear. I feel like there's a lot of people living and that they've been waiting to take that next step, whatever that may be for you. And so I'm gonna be silent here for a second and, and uh, let Adam play the beautiful music he's playing right now. And I wanna give you a second to write something down. It can be one word, be a sentence, but one way that you would like to see yourself be rooted. So maybe for you, that's the service. 
Maybe for you, that's the multiplication. Maybe for you, that's the community or giving or prayer. I don't know what it is for you, but I want to give you just one short minute to think about it. I want you to fill that out. And as, as later as you turn it back in, uh, I, I want to pray for you about it. And maybe you're sitting here today and you don't quite know. That's okay. It's okay not to know, but I don't know. And I'll call you and we can pray together. Does that sound good? So just take one minute, think about it, and, and we'll continue. You see, God knew that the Israelites were not going to be there forever. God knows that you're not going to be where you are forever. But without rooting themselves, they might not have been ready for the places they were going or the places that they were heading. And maybe for you, without rooting yourself, you might not be ready for the places that you're going or the places that you're headed. What if you, what if we, were people that decided to lean into our current circumstance as they are today before we have clarity to be the people that God has called us to be? What would that look like for you? What would our community look like? someone that decided to lean to Uptown Church, someone decided to root themselves today, someone that has decided to become content today and allow the Lord to work in and around your life today. What would that look like? So I think if you read Jeremiah 29, 5 through 7, I think what you'll see is if a group of people would be doing those things, that would be a beautiful and flourishing community. I think people's lives would be blessed. And I think that we would become just like them, a place that is in the city for the city. Like we'd be a people that not only blessed anyone who walked in this door, but that blessed literally the city of Dallas. That's the future that we hope for, that we become a church that not only reminds you and the people sitting in this room that God is for you, but reminds a whole city, not just by our words, but by our actions and who we are and the people that we've become. So I really encourage you, fill out that card because I, I want to be a community that roots themselves deeply into a church, into a God that wants to remind everyone that God is for them. Thanks for listening today. Want to connect with Uptown Church? Visit uptownchurchdallas.org or follow us on Instagram. And be sure to join us on Sundays at 10 a.m. for in-person worship at House of Blues in Dallas. God is with you. God is for you. Go in peace.